Welcome to Confessions of History Geeks, a Museum of North Idaho podcast. For over 50 years, the museum has collected, preserved, and interpreted the history of North Idaho. Confessions of History Geeks is recorded in the historic J.C. White House, which is currently being remodeled, and is brought to you by a grant from the Idaho Humanities Council. Special thanks goes to James Supp of Coronado Trading Company for assistance with this podcast. The Museum of North Idaho is a nonprofit that appreciates its members, donors, and community for their support. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Once again, I am your host, Sarah Jane Ruggles, and I am a local public historian and instructor of U.S. history at North Idaho College. June is National Pride Month, and the Museum of North Idaho is taking part in the month-long festivities and initiatives throughout our community which are meant to educate and advocate for LGBTQ plus people and groups. Both of our podcast episodes this month are part of the initiative to speak to today's listeners as well as tomorrow's generations by capturing living history for future historians. In the last episode, we spoke with Jessica Mahirin from the North Idaho Pride Alliance and the Civic Engagement Alliance about the resources that our civic engagement leaders have made available to all of us here in 2021. In this episode, I am honored to have as my guest, Michelle Beach, who is a proud Idahoan, all-around fun lady, self-confessed bad golfer, animal lover, wife, daughter, and friend. She also works as an Idaho State Police Officer, and we thank her for her work protecting our community. She is also happily married to another female officer, and she is going to share a bit of her story with us today, as well as try to help us understand what it is like to walk a day in her shoes. Michelle, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Before we begin, would you be so kind as to introduce yourself and tell our listeners why you accepted our invitation to be featured on our podcast today? Why is it important to you? So, obviously, I'm gay, so cat's out of the bag, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have been an Idaho State Trooper for about nine years. I've always wanted to get involved in the LGBT community somehow, especially ever since I was down in Boise before moving up here in 2015. But I have always wanted to get involved in our captain, wanted to get involved with the Human Rights uh, Consortium, And I decided to help out because I knew it was human rights and I knew that there'd be an opportunity to get involved on the LGBT side. So Jessica hit me up. and was like, hey, want to talk on a podcast? And I was like, absolutely. So (laughs) here I am talking on the podcast for the first time and it's fun. Before we get started, I would love to uh, ask you about kind of your background, where you come from. So you said you came from Boise. Were you born there? Mm -mm. This is a little boring, but I was born (laughs) in California and then I moved to Oregon when my mom got remarried to my stepdad. And then we moved to Florida where he worked for his brother. And then uh, we did not enjoy Florida. We missed the Northwest. So my dad ended up moving uh, down to Boise. He worked at HP. He's 
retired. Is he retired now? I think he just retired. And then I went to college at a Southern Baptist school in Tennessee. And then I dropped out of there and moved in with my parents, applied for the Idaho State Police. And um, I, I should say before that, when I was still in college, I went into the military and decided law enforcement was what I wanted to do. Tried on with Nashville, but got on with the Idaho State Police on, I swear, a fluke. And here I am, nine years later, still working with wow. them. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So what did you originally want to go to school for? <laughs> psychology. <laughs> I wanted to be a counselor, and I'm actually going back to school for forensic psychology. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to learn, but hopefully learn really cool things. So as a kid, were you were you like me? Were you really nosy? Did you ask a lot oh of questions? Oh my God, yes. Just the nosiest. And I'm an only child, so I, oh, okay. you know, I didn't have any like siblings to annoy, so I'd go annoy the neighbor kids <laughs> and get into their business. And I'm like a super extrovert, and my parents are not. So I'd oh, go over, awesome. I'd like go over to all the neighbors, you know, doors. Hi, my name's Michelle. I live down here. <laughs> It was a different time. <laughs> I wouldn't let my kids do that now. <laughs> I love how now you're the police officer. Now I'm it's the like, police never officer. Go never do that. Don't do that. That's super dangerous. That's super dangerous. Don't do it. This is this is a podcast slash PSA. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Child knock safety. on your neighbor's door unless you know them. You became a police officer at the age of 22, but you had joined not. You had joined the National Guard before then? Mm -hmm. Was that? I was 19 when I joined the Army National Guard. So what made you want to choose that branch? So when I was going to school, I I honestly come from a really good background. I come from, um, I wouldn't say I'm a super wealthy, I have a super wealthy family, but my school was paid for when I was going to college and everything was paid for. So I didn't really have much hardship in my life and I didn't, as a result, didn't have much discipline and I wasn't going to classes and I just wasn't doing a very good job. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do military and I really want to join the Navy for their uniforms because I really like the white uniforms. <laughs> but you know, we all got to reason for something. So, but my friend had actually joined the Army National Guard and he said the education benefits were really good and I could be an officer and make all this money and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll join. And I joined and I did, I was going to become an officer right away. And then I saw like my fellow future officers and they just were kind of embarrassing. So I was like, I'm not going to go this route. I'm going to go like the enlisted. Behavior wise or? Yeah. And they just, they didn't wear the uniform well. They didn't do their hair right. They just, they just didn't do the uniform. Justice. Yeah. And justice. And so I was like, I can't, I can't, I don't want to be affiliated with this group of people just trying to get into this to make money. I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a difference in the army. So. Wow. Yeah, so 19. Wow. And so how did you go? So you were talking about you were in Nashville and then you got on to the Idaho force. How mm-hmm. did that, that that's, that's a bit of a leap. It's a bit of a leap, yeah. <laughs> so in 2011, I ended up leaving um, where, where I was going to school and moved in with my parents because I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. And I was still in the Army, and I love Nashville. Nashville, if you haven't been to Nashville, go to Nashville because it's a blast. It's I've a heard really, good things. It's a really cool town, um, and I enjoyed the South. The South is a pretty fun area um, in certain parts. And so I tried on with Nashville. I went back there, like I think it was like every month for like six months. So I, you have to go back for a physical test. 
for the in-person, for an interview and something else. And I went through the whole process and then I like, I quit my job. I was working at the Humane Society at the time. I quit my job, like got out of my lease, was going to go over there. And then last second they were like, no, we don't want you. And they never gave me a specific reason. Um, and they were super broad about it. And I was heartbroken as anybody who tries on with law enforcement typically experiences. So I, everybody was like, I know state police is hiring. I didn't think I'd want to be a state trooper, but I wanted to be a city cop. So I was like, all right, well, I'll put it in my application. We'll see what happens. And I did a ride along with the state police and I learned about what detectives do with the state police. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. That'd be something that I didn't want to do. So I put in the application. Um, I remember the day I went in to do the physical fitness test. And one of the ladies at the front said, are you going to pass? And I was like, of course I'm going to pass. Why wouldn't I pass? She's like, we don't see very many females get this far into the process. And I was like, I'm here. And here I am, nine years later. Holy cow. Yeah, there was 1,300 applicants at the time. 21 of us made it through to, and got hired on. And then when we graduated, there was fifth. Was there 15 of us? I think there was more than 15. I can't remember the exact number. Basically, out of 1,300 applicants, there was like 20 or 15 that made it through to graduation. I I don't know how many last I checked there was like maybe seven of us from that from my class that are still on with the Idaho State Police wow yeah and had you always had this kind of instinct to run towards danger Mm -mm. type thing Mm -mm. or or protective or (laughs) no um and I (laughs) I still have to catch myself sometimes when I am really afraid but I (laughs) I'm a little bit afraid of the dark so I, I'll just be honest with you on that. Uh, when I put on the uniform, though, it's like it takes on, I, I don't have excuses anymore. You know, right. I have, you see what I am and you expect something out of me. You know, you expect protection, you expect that. And so it almost, it's almost like putting on your Superman suit. You know, it's like, okay, once I put this on, I, I have to run into danger. I, ha- I have to. I am good with conflict. So I'm good with confrontation. So when it comes to like, like the only time I remember when I was in high school, there was some people arguing at the pool house that we lived when we lived in Florida and I got involved in whatever. I can't remember what they were talking about, but I was like super stoked to get involved in like, like conflict resolution. Yeah. Conflict, like to be the mediator, right. Right. Which is kind of why I wanted to go to counseling, but Mm -hmm. I enjoy being there when things are scary for other people. I enjoy being a protective person for other people it is easier for me to protect somebody else than protect myself. Although I will be honest, when there's a scary noise in the house and my wife is home, I make her search the house. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you on that one. Like, hey, something's scary. Oh, what do you want me to do? We'll go search the house. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be in here with the dogs. I'll be okay. We'll be here. I'll be here. Take Loki. She's scary. <laughs> I have a golden doodle, so the I only do thing too. that he can do is just run faster yeah, than me. Yeah. So he won't. He won't That's scare funny. anybody we away. Have a, we have a golden doodle, and a she's a pit boxer mix. Okay, yeah. So okay. pit boxer mix, she sounds scary, and she looks scary, and she's all tough. And yeah. the golden doodle hides with me. Exactly. Yeah. So you have a dog with a job. Yes. And then you have... A, a, big... a cuddle buddy. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> there you go. And so were you out at the time when you were applying for the position in Nashville? Yes. I uh, I sort of thought that was why I didn't get the job, but I don't know. Because Nashville is a very gay-friendly place. Right. 
when I joined the Idaho State Police, I talked to the guy who's doing my polygraph and background, and I told them both. I said, I'm gay, and I don't hide it. And if that's a problem here, I don't want to work here because someday I plan to get married. Mm -hmm. And if I am involved in a shooting or if I'm hurt, I need my coworkers to know who they're going to go to. Yeah. So my spouse needs to have yes. the same, you know, access to my health care and my and to me yes. than any other spouse. Exactly. And so that's I made it clear with them and they said that's not a problem. And it, mm-hmm. and it never has been. Yeah. Wow. So speaking of spouses, I want to know how you met your wife. So she is a local cop up here. I moved up here in 2015. Actually, when Sergeant Moore was killed, I was part of the honor guard detail for that. So I was part of his three-round volley by the graveside, which was one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my career. Um, It was heartbreaking. I'd never heard a last call on the radio. So anyways, I came up here for that, and I loved it up here. I was having um, some personal issues down in Boise. So I went back down, put in my transfer request, and was up here a month later. And I remember going to work, and my coworkers... She was working um, for a different agency at the time, and they she was talking on the radio. My coworkers had told me about her. They're like, "Hey, there's this really cute cop. She's blonde. She's local. You know, you know, you should you should get to know her." And I'm like, "Okay, guys, like leave the poor girl alone. <laughs> just got here. <laughs> just got here. <laughs> like let's just let's just leave her alone. Like you know, poor thing doesn't need to be bothered. But they're like, she's really cute. You know, you should you should look into that. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. That's just weird." Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna scare her off. So every time she get on the radio, they turn the radio up and they'd be like, "Oh, look, it's your girlfriend." And I'd be like, "All right, <laughs> you know, leave it alone." <laughs> and I kid you not, a year later, so I met her a few times on traffic stops. <laughs> And she's like, keep it cool. Keep it cool. (laughs) Yeah, I was. Because I'm like, everything's recorded. I can't just hit on you while we're being like, that's super unprofessional. So, (laughs) so I was like, (laughs) so I'd like see her and I, and I'm like, I was like, gosh, she's so out of my league. Right. Um, she hates when I say that, but it's true. She's just, she's just so out of my league. And I was like, there's no way this beautiful woman's going to be interested in me. There's just, there's no way. But basically I, I saw her on a few traffic stops and I was trying to be super cool and she was really kind about some things and, and just, she wouldn't stay very long. And I was like, oh, I just, I know I make her uncomfortable because she could tell I'm gay and I know she's gay, but we aren't having this conversation and there's this weird awkwardness. Anyways, flash forward a year after I move up here, after I counted out five times, she stopped out with me on a traffic stop. <laughs> she, it was after one of the times that she stopped, I stopped out with her actually. And she, I remember like it was yesterday, I, she walked up to my car and she had this big old smile on and I just sat there with my <laughs> arms at 10 and two. <laughs> on the steering wheel. On the steering wheel, even though I'm in a patrol car, but I'm just so, I'm so nervous because this beautiful officer's walking up to me to talk to me and I know right. it's just like professional but I'm like oh my god you're she <laughs> so she walks up to me and she's like I think we're all good here and I was like okay have a great day bye and I just <laughs> zoomed out of there and later that afternoon she found me on Facebook not that I hadn't been looking for a long right. time for her on I know, any right? social media platform and she wasn't there <laughs> anyway she friended me and she had like I think 22 friends at the time and I was like oh she created Facebook just to find me <laughs> 
So being the cool, calm, collective person that I am, I You're immediately right. messaged her. I was like, hi, <laughs> did you have to find a Facebook in order to find me and blah, blah, blah. And, and just kind of gave her some crap. And then yeah. um, I said, hey, do you want to meet up for beers? And she said, yeah. And she met up for beers. Uh, we went to Caddy Shack. and. Nice. <laughs> I sat down with the wrong person right when I walked in, and I was so worried I was going to do that, and I did exactly what I thought I was going to do, but it made for a really great icebreaker. And then we, I well, wanted... Well, is it weird to run into somebody when they're not in uniform? Does it, is it, an, like, uh, yeah, I guess outfits different? Yeah, yeah, because you get to see who they are, yeah. you know, you get to, you don't get to pick your personality in uniform, you right. know? So yeah, I guess I guess it's a little bit different. We all look a lot slimmer out of uniform, by the way. <laughs> so that's always fun. You have like we got the vest, you know, and then the and then the duty belts right around the widest part of oh, our that's hips. That's what you call it, duty belt. A duty belt. I call yeah. it like the Tim Allen or something. With the, <laughs> Tim Allen the tool, tool, belt. Tool, tool belt. Yeah, the tool belt. But um, yeah, so yeah, it is different meeting somebody outside of uniform. Sort of. I mean, if you kind of if you kind of know them pretty well in uniform, it's not. Super. I didn't know her super well, obviously, but she looked just as beautiful in uniform as she did in street clothes. Yeah. So she. So we ended up meeting, and then <laughs> we talked forever about. I don't even. I honestly couldn't even tell you what we had a conversation about. No. But I was like, hey, I want to keep this conversation going, but I don't want to. I still didn't know if she was interested in me or if she was attracted to me. I knew I was attracted to her, but I was like, I just don't. I don't know what the vibe is here, but she, we're having a great conversation. I want this to keep going. I don't want to ask her to the movie because I can't conversate with her. And I don't want to ask her over to my place because that sends a wrong message. So I was like, hey, do you want to go to the Harrison Docks? And she was like, sure. So we drove all the way down to the Harrison Docks. <laughs> and we sat on the docks and we looked up at the stars. And um, I remember her sitting super close to me. And I was just like, Ugh, I just had so many butterflies. And I hadn't, yeah. nobody given me butterflies in a long time. Right. And... Um, I felt like that night and I know it's cliche, but I'm going to say it. I felt like that night it was my last first date and right. it was, and that was in 2016 and, um, we got married in 2019 and That's beautiful. Yeah. So we were together for about three years before we ended up getting married and where'd you guys get married? We ended up getting married in Newport, Washington at the Hitchin Barn. It's like, it's like nice. 5,000 acres of like prairie and like a really cool barn. And I actually wore the dress and oh, yeah. my hair was really long at the time. And she had her hair in like a really cool, like braided mohawk. Nice. And then she wore the suit. So that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it oh, was cool. Man. That is beautiful. I love that story. It gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> and so then pretty. I have to say at the end, <laughs> the end of the date, I brought her home and I was so tired. It was like 2 a.m. when I brought her well, back yeah. to her car. And she goes, she's like, hey, can I give you a hug? And I was really nervous. She was going to try and give me a kiss. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that yet. Right. And she, the way she tells the story is that I was super awkward when she asked for a <laughs> hug and I almost didn't give her one. And I ended up giving her one and then we left and she left with this idea in her head that she was never going to see me again. And I left with the idea that that was the best date I've ever had. So I texted her and I was like, hey, thank you so much for such a great date. And she told me recently that if I had not texted her, she wouldn't have met up with me again. Aww. So texting her after the date saying, hey, that was so much fun. Thank you so much for a great night. And it just was, it was so nice because there was no games. It was right. like, I find you attractive. Right. 
And I, you know, it was just a mutual attraction. And I remember too, on the, on the drive home after being on the docks that she was playing with her hair and I was like, you seem nervous. Why are you nervous? And she was like, I find you really attractive. And I just didn't say anything. I kept driving because I was so nervous. But then oh, later yeah. on, I was like, I find you attractive too. Yeah. I just didn't know how to say it because you make me so nervous. And she did for like, God, for like two years. I swear it was like every time I'd see her. And if I hadn't seen her for like a few weeks and she'd come back in the room, I'd just be like, oh, I'm so nervous. Right. Thank you for sharing that story. That was beautiful. <laughs> and do you guys have kids? No, we are planning to have kids, but we don't have any yet. Awesome. Yeah. That's an exciting time. It is. It's exciting yeah. to get ready for. It's, it's exciting to dream about. It's yes, like, it is. It really is. It's exciting to, um, I, I actually had a girlfriend, a, a pretty serious girlfriend, uh, years ago and she never wanted to get married and never wanted kids. And it was devastating because yeah. it's, it's hard to be with somebody who doesn't have the same dreams. And we both talk about what we're going to be like as parents and, right. Yeah, it's super, it's super exciting. And the, and the day that after we got married, we've always talked about kids, but she was like, okay, when you, when she sat me down and was like, all right, let's get ready for this. I cried because I was so excited. I'm a very emotional person. (laughs) Hey, that's good. Now, have you guys talked about, I mean, have you guys both had the maternal instinct to carry a child or would you guys want to adopt or? So from we would be open to adopting but the problem is and I saw a news article recently on over in Washington is that they're kind of shutting it down to same-sex couples it's kind of it's harder I feel like as a same-sex couple to adopt in certain areas Mm -hmm. and we talked to um somebody who was in charge of a foster program and they said it's going to be hard for you guys to foster even being a same-sex couple even though we're both law enforcement yeah it's you guys would provide the most loving environment (laughs) well we so we're open to it (laughs) but from what we were seeing it didn't seem like it was very and given our research was super brief but it didn't seem like it was going to be um super easy for us as to as to lesbians um but we also like the idea of each caring like I want to see her little child in the world and she wants to see my little child in the world so we're we're we do plan to carry um and yeah we do plan to carry our own so we'll see we'll see she says she doesn't want three because she's one of three and I said, absolutely not one because I'm a only child. Right. So it's between two and five, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what did they say after three? It's like you can kinda, handle anything. You know, yeah. it just kind of multiplies. Yeah. And they're just kind of there. <laughs> they say yeah. that. Yeah. And I thought it would be the same thing with dogs. But once we got our fourth dog, I was, or not our fourth dog, our fourth animal. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's too many. We have two cats and two dogs. And now I'm like, oh. So much fur, <laughs> so much fur in our house. So much fur. Yes. So let's talk about uh, your walking a day in your shoes, which must be there's so much as far as what you must have to deal with on a daily basis and, and law enforcement, your work in being an advocate for LGBTQ youth. But law enforcement is a tough enough job in its own right as far as what is expected of you and factoring in the unknown variables on a daily basis. Uh, may I ask if being an openly gay female officer makes the job any different for you than for 
your heterosexual colleagues or so my hair obviously listeners can't see what I look like but my hair is short and I wear it short because one I really enjoy doing my hair short and it's way more fun to style and it's right and my hair is very thick so it gets very hot in summer but I also do this because I I don't want it to be a secret that I'm gay I don't like I didn't like when I had long hair going around and it being like I had to come out to every single person I encountered. Now mm-hmm. I I try <laughs> try and wear it. Right. Um, sometimes there are situations where if they don't automatically assume that I I'm gay, I don't always tell them. I did have a guy recently that I arrested, and when I took him to the jail, he started hitting on me, and I put up my hand and I wear a wedding band, mm-hmm. and I said dude, ask me if they're a male or female. And he's like, well, I didn't want to assume. And I was like, you're barking up the wrong tree, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I was kind with him and we laughed about it. And anyways, my luck, my wife walked in and he asked me about my wife, but I didn't tell him my wife worked in law enforcement and I gave him a fake first name for her. And she walked in and her last name was on her chest. And I was like, oh, and he goes, is that your wife? And I immediately said, no, that's my sister. <laughs> and so I was like, let's, let's not, let's not, let's not. So that's, that's, um, it's, <laughs> that is a few and far between that that happens where, and I don't, I don't go around telling people I arrest that I'm married or, you know, what my wife does or well, anything. Well, I mean, there's a, there's gotta be a certain point in whoever's in law enforcement that you don't give personal mm-hmm. information because, you know, you, you want to, yourself. yeah, you want to, you have that guard up, yeah. obviously. So it's like, there's that. And then on top of that, you also don't want to be put, putting yourself at risk right? Uh, for putting that out there don't hit on your officers it's so uncomfortable for us and it just it's embarrassing for you it's right you know just don't do it you're like this is not gonna end <laughs> this well. isn't gonna end well for either of us and i'm so uncomfortable right well, now and i, I want to know what's the percentage of people that it has ended well for that it keeps the hope alive I don't that you know, know it's gonna end well for anybody you know, who hits on an officer i'm sure <laughs> i don't know that's a good it's point it's gotta be that's you a know, good point like you know, Tiny. but if, if you just got like, if, you know, you're, so you're saying there's a chance, you know, that's what they think. That's what they think is sometimes that they think that there's a chance, but. Or do they know. think it's going to get them out of the situation? I think so. I think that that's happens. a lot of confidence, man. Yes. Yeah. Like. I don't think that guy, I, um, I don't think he, I don't think he knew what he was even doing at that point. Well, and then your wife is gorgeous. Oh yeah. So she, she walks in and he's she like, Hey, in. there's another pretty lady. Yeah. There's another <laughs> pretty lady here. And I didn't tell him what she did for a living. I said she was something else. And, and she walked and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> why, why of all times are you walking in here right, right now? now? Why do you have to do this? Hi, sweetie. <laughs> um, you cut your hair so pe- so you don't have to explain it or and because you you want it to be just no no yeah um why is that important to you honestly <laughs> so when i was younger um i know i'm not i know i'm not old but when i was a little bit younger i would go out with my friends on the weekends and i try to meet girls and i would go into a gay bar and every single man that was in the gay bar would find me and hit on me and it was very frustrating 
and I could wear a rainbow shirt that said, I like women, I'd still get hit on by men. And but you're like, were, why are you here? Yeah, why, <laughs> why do you think I'm here for you? I'm like, I don't, again, I don't, the confidence. It's, just, <laughs> it's the confidence. So it was, it was, it was some of that. And my hair was just always up. Cause I, I mean, I just have really thick hair and it was always so hot on my neck. And so I put it all up and I'm not like my, I used to, I used to buy high heels and my mom be like, I'm not buying you high heels until you learn how to walk in them. And I never did. I never learned how to walk in them. Hey, so I, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. I, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's anatomically it's, not possible. It's hard. It's difficult. So I like to dress more middle of the road where I don't want to. Dresses were fun because, you know, it's just like one outfit, you know, yeah. and it's just there. But I don't like dress, dressing super, super feminine. But And I don't like wearing makeup. I don't like doing the more girly stuff all the time I every once in a while I do but I am I don't know so I feel like I'm I'm middle of the road I'm more of a tomboy but like on your wedding day that's a special day yeah but I wore a wedding dress on our on our wedding day and um and every once in a while I'll do my makeup and I have to say one thing that's really cool about my wife is that she's seen me with short hair she met me with short hair I grew my hair out and then I cut it all off the weekend after we got married and so she see me both sides, but when I cut my hair off again, I felt more confident in my femininity with short hair, which was kind of a complicated feeling when I had short hair before, because I was like, well, I can't wear this because it's too feminine and it's confusing. And I was trying to fit in a certain like stereotype, but since meeting her and since cutting my hair again she celebrates all parts of me and she you know is loves how feminine I am and I cry during Beauty and the Beast the live action right Emma Watson's amazing right um but I cry during uh, movies or I'm really emotional about whatever or I love to gossip you know so there are so many things about me that you would consider a feminine trait and obviously my voice is very feminine so she helped me basically bring all of that together into who I am before you so that's also been kind of a cool experience with the short hair and my wife and stuff so and that takes me back to what I've read and heard about the stories of people who make the the um the transition Mm -hmm. of genders and they go I you know I I almost felt like I was lying to myself or I I never felt comfortable in the clothes I was in or or in the body I was in and then they make that transition and all of a sudden it's like but now I'm just I'm just me yeah I'm 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 who I am yeah and so all of a sudden you're just showing who you are 100% of the time Mm -hmm. so that makes that makes sense it's not it's it's your statement of you yes that's amazing exactly have you been able to use your position as a a leader in the community as far as we we hold in our community especially we hold our our law enforcement uh, very much at an esteemed position Um, so I consider you very much a leader in our community uh have you been able to use your permission to reach out to the LGBTQ youth? Uh, I know that you've been working with the the Pride Alliance, um, and so have you been able to connect with some of these youth that are going through? Um, I'm s- I'm still pretty new with um, working with Jessica, and we've actually talked about that. And I am hoping to um, branch out and help LGBT youth in any way that I can. I haven't. I'm trying to think if it's, if there's been 
an opportunity. I guess the only opportunities I've really had is like on traffic stops and I can recognize when I'm like, oh, I think they're family. I'm friendly with everybody really, but um, I try to kind of make it clear that I am one of them, that I'm on their side and that I have nothing against them Mm -hmm. um, is what I try to portray when I'm particularly in a traffic stop. But no, I haven't, I don't have any, honestly, no, no, I haven't, I haven't been able to do much. I want to do a lot, but I haven't been able to do much so far. Well, you know, you saying that is, is pretty interesting because I bet you've affected more people than you realize. I would hope so. Because, you know, in our last episode where I was talking with Jessica about the little things that we do and just you living your truth and being who you are has probably made more of an impact on people seeing you and that position of respect yeah. and, and what you do for a living. And you, you run into danger and you keep us all safe mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And you are one of the most authentic people I think I've ever met. And, and <laughs> that's incredible. And um, so just by you being here today, you are going to reach so many people uh, who just at the click of a button are going to hear yeah. how awesome life can be. That's pretty cool. Um, so thank you for doing that. I have to, I have to say though, even though I haven't done as much as I want to, and I hope to do more with LGBT specifically, one thing that has been really cool in this job is being a female in law enforcement Mm -hmm. and seeing little girls um, come up to me and they're like, look, dad, she's, it's a lady, it's a lady cop. That's one thing that's been really cool in this job is I've been able to, uh, I went to a a school a few times down in Boise and I'd love to do it more up here. I just haven't had that connection of like schools to go talk to. Right. But down there, I went to a school and I talked to high school about criminal justice and a a lot of the young gals asked me different questions and at the end the teacher said I've never had any of my females in any of my classes ask a cop a question so you being here and making it just showing them that it's a possibility for them and this is what a female in law enforcement looks like has been super cool. And then there, right. was, a, there was another little girl. I was assisting a, a fellow trooper on a traffic stop. And I think she was like six or seven. And right when I walked up to the car, she looked up at me with just these big googly eyes and was like, hi, what's your name? And I was like, my <laughs> name is Michelle. What's your name? And she told me her name. And we sat there and we talked about, you know, our favorite princesses right. and all that girly stuff. And then so I got the little foam hat and went back up to the car and gave it to her. And I asked her parents, I was like, can I, can I give this to her? And they're like, yeah. And her mom leans back and says, tell her what you said about her hair. when she walked away, she was like, I think your hair is so pretty. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're <laughs> melting my heart. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to my heart's going to burst. And oh, geez. I was like, thank you so much. And I asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up. And I told her, I said, if you're going to be anything in this world, just be good when you grow up. Just be a good person. Mm-hmm. And that was really, it's really cool interacting with little girls like that. It's a refreshing, it's renewing, and it, it keeps me it keeps me going. It's little girls like that that I'm like, this is why I do it. So you can have a chance to do it. That is awesome. And could I ask you if, if you could put yourself in the shoes of someone in our community, uh, especially, you know, a young person who is going through the process of accepting their own uh, sexuality and trying to live their truth, 
uh, and, and be authentic with who they are, what would you like to, what message would you like to tell them about what's available to them or help them know where to turn or who I'm, to talk to? I'm going to try really hard to not cry during this. I would tell them that there's hope, that they're not alone, and that it is scary to accept who you are. But we've, so many of us have been through it. And if you are having a bad day, if you aren't being accepted, I promise that there's people out there who accept you and see you as you are and will love you and just stick through it. I know some families are very, very unaccepting. And I've known a lot of families who are very unaccepting. But I promise you will find love. And um, and if it's a, a God thing, I get it. I came out of the closet at a Southern Baptist college in Tennessee, and it was very hard, and um, I was not accepted, and I was not well-received there, but it's okay. It's If I hadn't gotten through that, I wouldn't be sitting here today, and if I had given up, I wouldn't be able to reach out and to try and, and talk to LGBT youth. Uh, it's, it's difficult, and I get it, but we see you. You're not alone. You know, and once once you get out of whatever situation you're in, there's it, it'll be worth it. So just just keep hanging on. We see you. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting here with your soulmate by your side and a future and a family that come in your way. And this is this is incredible. The sun is shining and yep. the future is bright. And you got yourself there. That was, that was incredible. That's that's an amazing story. So because we are, this is the confession of history geeks, um, I have to ask my NPR question. Uh, what would you like future historians to know about our community in 2021 as we work towards furthering an environment of love and acceptance? Um, God, I hope, the, I hope the future is bright. I don't think that we in 2000 would have seen what we've been through in the last two years. So I hope it's bright. I hope especially for LGBT youth, I hope that there's huge gay pride celebrations and I hope that there's rainbows everywhere. Gosh, well, thank you so much. First of all, for your service to our nation, we just had Memorial Day. So just thank you for that. Um, thank you for your service for protecting our state and our community uh, and the many uh, ways you positively impact today's community, young and old. Uh, no matter who you love or where you come from, we are eternally grateful that you have answered the call to serve and protect in the many ways that you have, that you run into danger to ensure that we come out of it. And you are so much more than a label and a title. You are a good person and we really appreciate you. Thank you. For Thank being you. Here. <laughs>